0: Want to remind you before we get started, the Tick Pick is the exclusive ticketing partner of Purple Insider and the Blue Wire Network. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging service fees ever. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and joining me on the show from Pro Football Focus is Ben Lindsey. What's up, Ben? How are you?
1: I'm doing well. We got we got some, some games action in on Sunday to break down the tape this week, so can't complain too much. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing okay, Ben. We have to reflect on the fact that my old show was the first show that you ever appeared on as a pro football focus analyst. So I'm glad that we could get back together. Now I see you're going on national shows. You were on sports map radio. So your, your star is rising and I'm proud of you, Ben.
1: (laughs) I appreciate it. I appreciate you giving me my, my first shot there uh, a couple years ago.
0: Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about offensive line play around the NFL because that's what everyone in Minnesota is thinking about this morning. Uh, and and a comment that Mike Zimmer made that I thought was really interesting about how the Vikings are not built to win the way that they would have had to win against the Cincinnati Bengals. And I look around the league and I understand that score effects play into this with the number of passes that teams have to throw. But I see Tampa Bay throws 50 times. Dallas throws over 50 times. They're in a tight game. Last night, the Raiders are throwing a ton with Derek Carr. And I don't think that there's only one way to win in the NFL, and that's by throwing 50 times. But... I think we also have to ask when a head coach says we're not built to win in a game where we have to come from behind, where we have to throw, where we can't stay ahead. I I guess the question is, why is your quarterback paid that much then? And why haven't you figured out a solution to being able to, to win in those circumstances? Because we've... Witnessed this problem time and time again. So I wonder what your feeling was watching this week where we've seen even, I think, the gas push down even harder on pass-first offenses.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it, it really brings into light that you have to be able to pass from every situation. If you're, if you're only able to pass when things are going your way, when defenses don't know whether you're going to run or pass, when you're able to, to run a heavy dose of play action, um, it, you're going to find yourself in situations where, where you can't compete with the best teams in the league because you're going to have to, to come back at times. Um, you're going to have to be able to pass out of, out of spread formations so when defense knows that you're going to pass. And I think it, that just sort of brought to light that fact. Um, and I think that's what Zimmer was talking about.
0: So I was playing around with some numbers last night and I discovered that the Vikings on second or third down in either short or medium Kirk Cousins since 2019 has a 130 quarterback rating, which is higher than Mahomes, Brady, Wilson, Dak Prescott, better than all those guys in that situation because they're able to run play action and take shots downfield. And yet the Vikings are in the bottom third of the league in the amount that they run a uh, play-action pass plays on first down because they're so often giving Delvin Cook the football. And and I feel like, Ben, there has to be an adjustment because they're just not going to win with a number one defense in the NFL where they can just get ahead by a little, and then shut it all down. Like, they're going to play in a lot of games like Sunday. So what is the solution? Because I think it's throwing to Justin Jefferson more on first down. And I hope I didn't take the words out of your mouth. But that, that to me, is crank up first down passing. And I think the teams will still gear up for Delvin Cook. And then if they don't, then you can run Delvin Cook. But I feel like the way that they do it now, with so much focus on running on first down, it puts them... Too often in bad situations where Kirk Cousins is not that effective.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's absolutely correct. And it's you don't even have you can still run play action on first down. You can still take those shots on first down. Uh, a lot of the numbers point to the idea that that you don't necessarily have to set it up with the run. The fact that they merely have Dalvin Cook and the run game that they've had the past few years that's already set up. So if you use that early in the game get those targets to Adam Thielen, to Justin Jefferson, and sort of build a, a lead uh, and sort of hit those explosive plays early, it allows you to run more of the type of offense that Mike Zimmer and that they once run throughout the remainder of the game rather than putting you in a hole and, and going to a situation where you have to, to be a little bit more conservative passing and getting the ball out quick like we saw from Kirk Cousins last week under a six-yard dot. Uh, a quicker time to throw that's not how they want to play on offense,
0: right? and early in the game in the first quarter there were only two targets to Justin Jefferson and one of them was a screen pass where they lost one yard and last year I joked on the show that if Justin Jefferson has under 10 targets in a game someone has to go to jail and spend a week in jail uh, because it's that egregious of an offense and I feel like walking out of the first quarter of a game with your best player Uh, Only having two targets and and going into the second quarter in your first four drives, only having thrown to him twice is just not enough. And I was watching last night as the Raiders threw to Darren Waller (laughs) over and over and over. If you've ever seen the Marshawn Lynch clip over and over and over. And, And but that. That seems to be an effective model in the NFL. Who is my most unstoppable player? Let's throw to that person all the time. And I know I'm like extremely simplifying football here, but you see Buffalo do it with Diggs, You see green Bay do it with Adams. And then Waller last night, I, I feel like the most unstoppable weapons that you can continue to go back over to them. You don't have to be super balanced when it comes to this. And the Vikings just don't really want to do that and get Jefferson the ball early in games.
1: Yeah, it's those guys like some of the names you just rattled off who can win in any situation. It it shouldn't you should be finding ways to get them the ball. Uh, And I know there was concerns about about Jefferson coming out of LSU and and whether he would be able to win on the outside, which seems comical uh, uh, now. (laughs) But he showed his rookie year that he can win in any situation. He can obviously beat press outside. He was one of the better receivers in the league. Um, He can win when you move him to the slot against man coverage, against zone coverage. So so you just have to find ways to get those guys uh, looks in the passing game. And then that sets you up uh, to run the ball with Dalvin cook to take those play action shots and all of that offense that they want to run.
0: Right. And uh, this team does not want to use pass to set up the run. Uh, I think Mike Zimmer is concerned about negative plays, concerned about sacks, concerned about interceptions, but I looked at the numbers on first and 10 when Cousins passes over the last two plus years, including um, Sunday, and he's only been sacked 18 times on 428 pass attempts on first down, and I think that really shows you that you can run those play actions and teams are backing off for the run a little bit and not, as they say, pinning their ears back, but that number goes way up on second or third down uh, and long and we saw that play out so I think that changing their approach even just a little would give them a better opportunity to play in a game like that where you're going back and forth with another offense or if you have to uh, or or, or trying to avoid playing from behind actually means more aggressive early on I think but we'll see how they adjust it I don't know if they will Uh, the offensive line part clearly this is not going to be a year where the Vikings put together the 1994 Dallas Cowboys offensive line from what we saw. Uh, but holding penalties, false starts, giving up pressures, sacks. Uh, I mean, year after year, we've dealt with this. And, and I wonder what your thought is, Ben, because you studied the entire league. How have teams done it? that have built successful offensive lines because I moved here in 2016 and I haven't seen one yet. The 2017 Vikings were average and that's the best offensive line that I've covered. So help me out here. Like what, why (laughs) is it that uh, I don't think it's just the Vikings. I think that there are a number of teams that have this issue that it just seems like they cannot get, five people to play together effectively on the offensive line, no matter how many that they draft or clever ideas of moving guys positions or anything else that they do.
1: Yeah. I think one of the the big things on the offensive line is development. If you look a lot at a lot of the better offensive lines in the league, you go back to the offensive line coaches in Cleveland, uh, in new England, Uh, even in Denver, since Mike Munchak took over and and sort of the steps they've taken. Because it's a position where you come into the NFL and we've seen it takes two, three years sort of for those guys to hit their stride. Um, And I just think it's not as if the Vikings haven't put resources into the offensive line with with sort of the way they've drafted the last few years with Garrett Bradbury, Ezra Cleveland, Brian O'Neal, sort of the guy who has panned out, it looks like right now. Um, but but they've put resources into the offensive line. Those guys just haven't sort of panned out. Um, And I think a lot of that comes to development, which sort of gets overlooked um, when you're looking at offensive line play and sort of how they're built.
0: So how do they work around it? How do they help these folks? Because we've seen them have decent offenses in recent years, but offensive line play that is that poor is going to put a cap on your offense and how good you can be. And if you want to have a very successful team this year, there has to be some workaround. There has to be some change. And I think that the workaround for Cousins the other day, as you mentioned, was actually getting the ball out quickly, which he's not known for, but he started doing that in the second half of the game. But I think it makes the entire fan base feel stuck, Ben. Like you just are always going to run into these spots where your offensive line has to block and it is not happening. And I'm looking to you for any answer on this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't know if this is the answer you want to hear because it's, it's when the offensive line is, is really in a bad spot and they're struggling to hold up. It's tough to get around a bad offensive line. Uh, You can do it sort of like what they tried to do a little bit yesterday or Sunday, um, get the ball out quickly, uh, sort of short, quick throws. That's what we saw the Steelers do last year to an extreme um, to try to get around some of their offensive line issues. Um, but that limits you offensively in, in sort of the plays you can run. You're less explosive as an offense. It's also what we saw the Bears try to do a little bit on Sunday night with Andy Dalton. It, it, you just sort of lack that, that downfield element. You can also use heavy play action, which is sort of the route that Minnesota has has trended the last few years to slow down pass rushes and lean on the run game as they have. Um, but obviously, like we just talked about a little bit before, you're still going to have situations where you can't you can't be in those those scenarios. You have to just drop back, and the offensive line has to hold up. Uh, so, so it's a tough spot to be in when you can't rely on those guys. Uh, to, to sort of hold their blocks on street dropouts.
0: See, my thought in doing this show is always trying to look for answers, Ben. And this one has <laughs> eluded me and them for so long. But, uh, you know, I think that the answer might be they just have to pray. They have to look up to the sky and say football gods develop these linemen because <laughs> that. Well, they drafted Christian Dersaw, he hasn't gotten on the field yet. But I think what we saw from week one solidified the idea that Christian Derrissaw will play this year, that Rashad Hill cannot play left tackle for 17 games. And Wyatt Davis, they drafted in the third round. If it doesn't work out with Ole Udo at right guard, they're going to have to play Wyatt Davis. And so there's a possibility that this could improve throughout the season if either Udo develops as he goes along, because he's never played guard before, or if Wyatt Davis is ready to go or if Christian Darrisaw is ready to go. But... You know, Ezra Cleveland had a very tough debut. He was a guy drafted to be a left tackle. They've moved him to two different guard spots. And I think there's a little bit of um, maybe outsmarting themselves when it comes to the offensive line. Uh, But let me let me get off that because we could spend all day um, just, you know, breaking down the history of how they have never been able to put together the offensive (laughs) line. You mentioned the Chicago Bears. There's another team that I just was in disbelief over the way they handled their offensive line after drafting a quarterback let's draft a second rounder hopefully he starts oh no he's not gonna start because he's hurt um the bear are the bears just going to be bad i I mean i i I was watching that game thinking like what what is this team trying to accomplish this year they're playing andy dalton senselessly adam schefter's on tv comparing it to playing alex smith over patrick mahomes which is not an apt comparison at all because andy dalton is not good uh and alex smith was good so I, i i don't get what the bears are doing exactly
1: yeah I on the the fields Mahomes rogers comparisons I, I always find those funny just because you it's always rogers and Mahomes that get brought up and it's not the other first round guys who sort of didn't pan out the Johnny Manziels, the Paxton Lynches of the world who didn't play in their rookie year um, it, and it was it was there's no reason that they shouldn't be playing fields right now uh, especially behind that offensive line I know the rationale is that you're looking at that offense and Dalton, he can, he's not going to get killed. He gets the ball out quickly. We saw that against the Rams. They, for the most part, limited the pressure on Dalton just by the fact that he was getting the ball out in two seconds, um, five yards downfield. Uh, but Fields just, just gives them a better chance. The thing is, I don't know how good they're going to be this year, even with Fields. Uh, the decisions to, to part ways with Charles Leno at tackle, um, Bobby Massey, even though he wasn't great, uh, necessarily, and roll with the rookies there and sort of the unknowns with a Fetty kicking back out direct tackle. Uh, the decision to cut Kyle Fuller and roll with Kendall Vildor and Duke Shelley in the slot. There's just a lot of holes on this team. I don't think the defense is going to be dominant uh, or as good as they have in the past. And it's just difficult to see this offense being explosive at all Um So I I don't think the Bears are going to be all that competitive.
0: Folks, Minnesota football is back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the Internet for Minnesota football tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need to go for NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees like the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices of all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it. If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, Tick Pick will give you 110% of the difference on your purchase price. We've got quite a slate of home games in downtown Minneapolis, including revenge game for Cleveland when they return to Minnesota and plenty more. Visit TickPick.com slash Insider today and use the promo code Insider to save $10 on your first order for Minnesota football tickets. Fans are going back to stadiums, so you have to be ready with the best Minnesota football gear. That's why you have to check out Soda Stick. I saw a ton of Soda Stick gear around training camp. I expect to see it in the stadium as well. There are so many cool designs on hats, t shirts, and hoodies for the fall weather, including the John Randall design that is extremely cool. There's also the straight cash homie Randy Moss homage. Can't stop the Thielen hats, and a personal favorite, the old video game designs, the Tecmo fans will appreciate. Check it all out at sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Everything is screen printed here in Minnesota. And I can tell you that the shirts are comfortable and they last because half of my closet is now SodaStick at this point. Again, that's sodastick.com, Minnesota sports inspired goods and keep your eye out for our SodaStick giveaways. I, I really also feel like Teams that rest on their defense and think, oh, well, we lost one piece, but we've still got these other really great pieces, Akeem Hicks, Khalil Mack, and so forth. It always kind of happens that it becomes uh, porous. Eventually. And, that, and that's what happened to the Vikings, where they had all these pieces from 2017. But in 2018, 2019, it drifted a little drifted a little. And then in 2020, it was like you still have Harrison Smith and Eric Kendricks. But there are just way too many players that you've tried to plug in where good players used to be. And all of a sudden I just looked at the Bears defense and thought, who's scary outside of their two or three really good players there?
1: Yeah, the, the defense, it, it's sort of the aura of the Bears defense and, and how they've been in the past. But we saw in the preseason, they, it was their first string defense, essentially. And they were just getting picked apart by Mitchell Trubisky in Buffalo, uh, in that second team offense. And I think the Rams showed it again, um, that, that you can beat this defense for big plays. Uh, the secondary is, is really a concern in my opinion. Um, so I, I wouldn't be, all that shocked, um, they really have a rough year, especially if they're going to rely on their defense as sort of a conservative offense.
0: Yeah, I'm putting week four, week five for when we see Justin Fields, um, because if they lose a couple of games in a row, they're putting themselves way back in the race and there's really no point. And so you have the Lions who are rebuilding and had a fun game against San Francisco, but I think that's who they're going to be this year. And so it essentially comes down to, The Vikings and how much Aaron Rodgers really wants it this year, right? I mean, I saw today someone saying, and of course it's like hot take season, but – uh, why not just bench Rodgers for Jordan Love because Rodgers doesn't look like he wants to play? And um, I'm sure Vikings fans laughed hysterically at that take. It's one game, but it was a really bad game. And there's another point to be made, too, about Rodgers' offensive line last year being really, really good, losing some pieces, uh, losing his center, who's excellent, to Los Angeles and free agency. I, I wonder what you think in terms of like how much reaction there should be to how badly the Packers lost to the Saints.
1: Yeah, I think it's noteworthy. Um I don't think it can be completely dismissed, but I also don't think Rogers is going to look like he looked in week one against the Saints um, moving forward and over the course of the season. I think the offensive line is a little bit concerning, but Elton Jenkins looked good kicking out the left tackle for Bakhtiari. I don't really think that's the concern on the offensive line. I think it's more Sort of how, how they fill in the interior with him out at tackle for these, these first few weeks while Bakhtiari's out. Uh, and the Saints defense, for as much as we talked this offseason about how the Saints have, could potentially take a step back, they still have a lot of talent in, in that starting lineup on both sides of the ball, uh, especially up front on the defensive line. Marshawn Lattimore looked great, uh, in that game and, and he was rewarded with that contract. Um, So I think it was it was sort of a one off thing for Green Bay. I would still expect their offense uh, to be strong this year. It was just a bad showing.
0: It was. And I guess the thing you always wonder about is at some point, all of these quarterbacks not named Tom Brady, who are legendary, just hit a wall and they're not as good anymore. And this, like Ben Roethlisberger is just played right through the wall and uh, Pey- <laughs> yeah, he's,
1: he's, he's on the other side of the wall now. for
0: sure. Yeah, right. It's it's hideous. And yet he's still out there grinding it out. But Peyton Manning was able to win a Super Bowl on the other side of the wall because he had a, an all time great defense. Uh, I, I don't think that Rodgers has hit that wall off of an MVP season, but it did happen quickly for Peyton Manning put, put odds on that for me. I mean, is there, is there a chance that they come back, they do the whole last dance thing and then it just implodes as so often does in the NFL with off season drama and hype and everything else?
1: Yeah, I, I, I certainly think there's, there's a chance. I don't think it's a good chance. I'll maybe go, if I'm putting odds on it, um, maybe plus, plus 400 plus 500, that offense takes a, a significant step back. Um, And I think the sort of the big thing is you just saw a little bit of rust uh, from Rogers. He wasn't, wasn't obviously involved in a lot of the team stuff this, this off season Um, coming back. I I think, I think they'll largely be all right. Um, It was just a bad showing.
0: Okay. So before I move on to something else, I want you to tell me the records based on what you saw, final records of the NFC North. Like, does anyone, does anyone get to eleven?
1: Hmm. I, that's, that's, that's a good question. I still think Green Bay probably does. Um, so, so I'll go Green Bay 11 and six. Uh, I'll go Minnesota uh, in second. They're, they're clearly in second place. I'll go nine and eight. Yep. Maybe, um, Chicago. I think Chicago and Detroit can both be pretty bad this year. I'll, I'll go Chicago um, six and eleven, uh,
0: Detroit five and twelve. Man, <laughs> that's it's very <laughs> NFC Easty a little bit. If Green Bay does not turn it around, uh, but I. It, had 10 and seven for the Vikings going into the season, but I also was putting in a W in Cincinnati. So I'm kind of adjusting and thinking nine and eight makes a lot of sense here. Now the Vikings are going to play Arizona. Chandler Jones had five sacks. The Vikings are playing a backup left tackle. It's not a great situation. Uh, But how much do we make of Kyler Murray looking like, uh, I don't know. I mean, like looking like Patrick, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, but faster out there against Tennessee. Is that Tennessee is just falling off and they're not a great team. Uh, is Kyler Murray taking the next step? Like, I mean, none of us really know yet, but give me your general sense on that.
1: I think it's a little bit of both. I, I don't think Tennessee's defense is all that good. I think Minnesota will be a little bit tougher test, even as bad as, as Bashad looked in that game against Cincinnati um, and Murray he throws one of the best deep balls in the NFL. Um, so I think that's going to be something to, to look for and, and for the Vikings to really make sure they don't get, get beat with those big plays uh, over the top. Um, and I think he, his, his step forward this year, I do think we could see a step from him because as good as he was early last year, um, he was sort of in that fringe MVP conversation before the injury, before he had to start scrambling less and we saw his play take a hit. So I wouldn't be all that shocked if he came out this year and looked a lot better in his third year.
0: Do you feel like Cliff Kingsbury heard everyone? Uh, because I mean, there were a lot of really smart analysts who were talking about that offense in Arizona. And I have not watched the game back yet to prepare for next week. But, um, I, I wondered if... Cliff Kingsbury would get the message because sometimes they do. And sometimes they don't like sometimes these coaches will just say, look, this is my offense and it works and we're doing it. Um, And other times they make the adjustments that are necessary. And it felt simplistic, Last year, what Arizona was running out there, and I guess I wonder like, where the rubber meets the road for Cliff Kingsbury in his coaching career, I think is whether he figures that out or not, that he has to be a little more creative, he has to move receivers around, he has to use more motion, he's got to make the adaptations as he goes throughout from week to week, he can't just run the same offense out there each week.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I don't think I'm ready to say after that, that one performance against Tennessee that, that he's there, <laughs> that, that he's making those changes. I think they're, obviously their defense and the performance Chandler Jones put forth put them in a lot of good position, positions offensively. Um, but the thing I will say is with how heavy that their screen offense was, I think the addition of Rondell Moore um, is really going to help them. Even if they're Offense doesn't get a lot more creative, even if they still do a lot of the same things. Just the fact that they're getting those touches to Rondale more uh, to make plays after the catch, rather than someone like Larry Fitzgerald, that is going to make a difference. And you saw that a little bit against the Titans in Week One.
0: Now, this is a point to be made when you look at who Kyler Murray threw to, because now KJ Osborne did a good job as the Vikings' wide receiver three uh in Week One. So we'll see where that goes, but. DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Rondale Moore, A.J. Green are all catching balls from Kyler Murray. And if you have a talented quarterback, there's no number of weapons that is too many, I think, to give a guy. And Rondale Moore and drafting him sort of shows that. And uh, one of the most exciting players to watch in preseason, to watch in college. We saw a little bit of him, I think, against Minnesota when he was in college. So give me, before we wrap up, Ben, give me one result from this week that you thought was really telling and Team X is what their result is for sure. And you can take a second to think about this. And then give me one where you're like, no, no, no. That's definitely not who they are. And, and don't use Green Bay because we already talked about that. So that's definitely not who they are. And that'll be different as you go forward.
1: Yeah, I, I think the one result that, that kind of impressed me and I think is, is sustainable is Los Angeles and how that off the Chargers, um, and how that offense looked against a good Washington defense. Justin Herbert was only pressured, I want to say, on six of his dropbacks, and he dropped back to pass a lot in that game. Rashawn Slater looked really good against Chase Young again uh, and one of the best defensive lines in football. Um, I-, I think even with some of the talk about how Herbert's play under pressure might regress, how he might take a step back, I also just think the natural progression from year one to year two in an offseason where – he entered the year as the starting quarterback. Um, they built up the offensive line around him. He has weapons to work with in the passing game, that new offense with Joe Lombardi. I was impressed with them, and, and I think they are going to be a contender, um, at least in the wild card picture in the AFC. As far as teams that I don't want to overreact to, I, I think Buffalo's up there on that list. uh, Their offense did not look great at all against Pittsburgh. Josh Allen didn't look great but also that Pittsburgh defensive front it's it's good um they can they can get after you with a lot of different players it might even be better than last year and i would say they had the best pass rush in the NFL last year um bringing in Melvin Ingram and adding him to that group um so i think just how much pressure Josh Allen was under in sort of that matchup i wouldn't overreact to how their offense looked in week 1 i still think they'll have one of the best offenses in the NFL
0: The one that I felt immediately super wrong about was Atlanta. I thought Atlanta would be a better football team. But, you know, watching that, Philadelphia might be pretty competitive because their offensive and defensive lines were just completely dominant in that game. And Jalen Hurts, if he's got a good offensive line, can make some throws. And drafting uh, Devontae Smith was huge for them. I mean, it's... Uh, that one might be telling, I think, that Philadelphia yeah. could be more competitive than we thought, especially with the division. Ryan Fitzpatrick's already hurt. The Giants are who we thought they were bad. And, uh, you know, I, I, Dallas is still flawed. So that one actually might be telling on both sides of that one.
1: Um, yeah, they're, they're, all, they're just the, the mismatch on the offensive and defensive lines against Atlanta. Atlanta has real concerns in terms of defensive line and getting pressure in terms of the offensive line and how they're going to hold up. So I think that was a little bit of a perfect storm of of strength matching up on on weakness.
0: Yeah. The other one for me is um, I think Cleveland is that team who can play that close with Kansas city. So I I think that is who they are and an an impressive showing in a loss for Cleveland to battle Kansas city the way that they did. So um, well, Ben football is off. We spent so long, Uh, talking about what was going to happen. We finally have results and it's very exciting. Everyone, you should go follow Ben uh, at PFF underscore Lindsay, L-I-N-S-E-Y is where they can find you. And great to get back together with you, man. I hope we can do it again soon.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me on. It It was a great time.